listeners love Adam Crowley. Just between you and me, I believe you're fat, ugly, dumb, and gutless. Just personal opinion. The Adam Crowley Show. When you're done with your program, we can discuss this out in the parking lot. I mean, you're, you're a tough guy. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers lost yesterday in embarrassing fashion, really, to the Jacksonville Jags. Today, Andrew McCutcheon traded on the heels of the Garrett Cole trade. The only thing that can make this day worse for Pittsburghers is if Mr. Rogers were brought back from the dead and then executed. Bad one. Awful day. And if you jump off one of the bridges into the river, you will die upon impact. With ice. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I haven't seen a lot of these players play that are coming back from Houston in the Garrett Cole trade. To say that I have is disingenuous. Now, I have read about them, as has everyone who's talked about this. And what they're getting back is a couple of guys who are Major League ready. Man, if you're going to rebuild, rebuild with young players who have high upside, who have a ceiling uh, that is high and a low floor, and get as many of those guys as you can, and you see if they pan out. But I don't need to be good right now because you've already traded two of your best players. You're not going to be good right now. The, The Pirates need to... Either rebuild or not. And when you trade McCutcheon and Cole, you got to go full on into the rebuild. Signing Felipe Rivero to a four-year deal doesn't do it for me. Signing Felipe Rivero to a four-year deal is exactly what I don't want to see. They're trying to build good faith with this Pirates fan base and say, look, we're spending money, but in reality, all that that is is a PR move because in two years before those options kick in, they're just going to trade him. They should trade Felipe Rivero now. They should trade... Josh Harrison now, and they should get what they can for these major league players so that in a couple of years they're good, but keeping players here to keep them mediocre does nothing. We're going to get to the Steelers in a few minutes because a lot of people on the line want to talk about them. 412-922-2874. Mr. Richard next up. Hello, man. Uh, I wanted to talk about Andrew McCutcheon, but I just wanted to ask you what one word means. If you could tell me, I've heard it many times. Matriculate. What's that mean? It means slowly move something. I don't know. What the hell is this? Well, who are you to ask me that question, Mr. Richard? Who am I? Like anybody else. I mean, if you mention it, you should, uh, shouldn't should use big words that people like me don't understand. Mr. Richard, if you were listening, then you would know that it was Dale Lolly who used that word, not me. He did. But I've heard other people use the word matriculate, not in one means. I think uh, Torchard Wolf used it. I still don't know what it means. Well, have you thought about using it in context? When they say matriculate the ball down the field, what do you think that means? Not knowing I cannot say, henceforth I hesitate to respond. That's why I ask you. You're supposed to educate the listeners. No, I'm not. I'm supposed to entertain the listeners. Both. Educate and entertain. Goodbye. Uh, as far as Andrew McCutcheon. Yes. Uh, There's not, not a thing wrong with getting rid of him. Uh, because what has he done for us lately? He Shut up. Okay. Mr. Richard, first of all, 
to matriculate means to be enrolled at a college or university. And second of all, that can't be the right definition. And second of all, the team sucked. Andrew McCutcheon had a good year. Oh, I'm dying inside. David Todd and I are going back and forth. Guy who used to sit in this chair. Or that ch- I don't know what chair he sat in. Was it this one? I don't know. He used to sit in the chair here. And I said, I don't like that Felipe Rivero didn't know what's going on. Uh, Felipe Rivero did not know, at least in my speculation, that the Pirates were making a move here. And it is speculation. Could be 100% wrong here. I'm reading emojis, and that is not an art or a science. But I do think it's a little disingenuous to give money to a player and not tell him that you're moving the best two players on the roster off the roster. Because if I'm Felipe Rivero, I'm thinking, I'm going to sign a big deal. Looking forward to it. But if they're spending money on me, maybe they're spending money on Cole. Maybe they're spending money on McCutcheon. Who knows if it went down like that, but would you really put it past the Pirates? And they're in a position where everyone who's leaving here, look at all the emojis that all the players are posting and the gifs and the, the tweets in general. All the Pirates are pissed right now and upset. And if Felipe Rivero didn't know, then that's just a bad look. It just is. Players are not going to want to come to Pittsburgh anyhow because of all this. And then for that to happen, it's just another thing that the Pirates don't need to deal with. It's not the most nefarious thing in the world. It's not an awful thing to do. I'm guessing it's common business practice, but the Pirates need to operate understanding that they can't operate just like other businesses. They can't operate like other franchises because they're not other franchises. They have to be looked at by... Players and agents as the team doesn't pay anybody. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Back to the Steelers. Dave in Pittsburgh next up. Hello, Dave. How are you, man? I'm okay. What's on your mind? Uh, a couple quick comments and then a question for you before I jump off here. But first, I, I tend to be of the same mind you are. I don't see a scenario where they're better without Tomlin next year, but I think some hard conversations need to be had. The conversation all week was the Patriots rematch, the Le'Veon Bell contract, the Todd Haley-Ben Roethlisberger relationship, and then you go out and make some bad decisions and lay an egg. I think they maybe need to tighten, at least tighten the leash a little bit on him. Uh, also wanted to say that, you know, I don't think it in any way affected the game yesterday, but the general state of officiating in the NFL is bad right now. The Steelers were on the wrong end of it. had nothing to do with the loss, but it was laughable for a professional sport, to be honest, at points. Well, and but, then, uh, I mean, just, Bowie came right through Martavis Bryant. They didn't call anything. I mean, it was textbook standard pass interference. They didn't call it. So, I mean, I'm in agreement with you there. It's not why they lost. But, yes, as for Tomlin, Dave... Man, there's a lot of hubris when it comes to Mike Tomlin. I think he's a good coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. I don't think you're going to bring in anybody who's going to be better than him right now. I agree. But, I agree. But, I mean, how many years had he been grilled about clock management and, and game circumstances in his press conference, and he's yet to improve? He's a good motivator of men. I'm fairly confident in his game planning ability, yesterday notwithstanding, but it's the little things that wind up adding up in losses like this 
I don't know what you do. Yeah, they're not gonna. I mean, they're not gonna fire him. We, you and I both know that he's gonna die in office. No, I, and I don't. Like I say, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a better option. But at some point, you got to say, hey, we're, we're kind of noticing this, and it's it's not getting better. It needs to. And then the last two things I got for you before I get out of your hair, man. Full disclosure: I'm a Bears fan, born and raised in Pittsburgh. I love the Steelers. I would hate to see him leave Chicago, but I think they should make a call to Vic Fangio's agent. I think that's the D coordinator they need. Last question for you before I go. What do you think the future is beyond that? Do you think there's anything with Dobbs? Because I've liked everything I've seen of Dobbs, but you never hear his name mentioned as even possibly getting a shot at some point. And I'm out of your hair, man. Thanks. Thank you. I I just think we're so far away from that right now that it's not even worth discussing, Dave, to be honest. Mike Tomlin is going to be here for a long time. And at least while Ben's here, and Ben will be here for, according to reports, he's told teammates the next three years. So who cares about Dobbs at this point? Uh, I don't. Uh, They brought him in maybe to be the stopgap, or more likely to be the guy who, when Landry leaves, you hope he fills Landry's position at a cheap rate. That's what you're hoping for with him. So Dobbs isn't the guy in all likelihood, and I am 100% anti-drafting Ben's replacement this year. If that's a discussion you want to have, I suppose we can have it. I'm not doing that because whatever the Steelers do in the draft this year can go a long way to them winning a championship next year. Give Ben Roethlisberger all the tools you can so that he can win a championship because you're not going to win one right away without him unless you get lucky. And luck is just that. It's luck. 412-922-2874. McCutcheon just put this up on Twitter. Pittsburgh, my home, my fans, my city, the place that raised me and helped mold me into the man I am today. You will forever be in my heart. A tip of the cap to all you have made this journey with me with love and respect. Kutch. I remember driving home from Morgantown one day. Early in my days in college, so this was 2009, 2010, whatever it was that McCutcheon signed his extension. And I was listening to that station across the street. And they were doing one of their stupid sports updates that did actually update me at that particular moment. I'm driving up the hill, leaving my parents' house. And I got tears in my eyes. Because for once I thought that they were doing right by the fans, they being the Pirates. For once, I thought that they were committed to excellence, and McCutcheon was going to be around for a little while. You could see that there maybe was a future where the Pirates could be successful, and I had had season tickets for a long time, and I was emotional. It showed me for once that things might be different. And I've been harsh on the Pirates a lot, I think they deserve to be criticized. I think they deserve to be criticized in this moment. But overwhelmingly, I'm just sad. Overwhelmingly, as a baseball fan, as somebody who bonded with my grandfather over baseball and my mom and my aunts over baseball, to see the sorry state of affairs that have now befallen the Pirates bums me the frig out. I did not always love sports. I didn't love sports until I was about 10 years old, and it's because I went to PNC Park for the home opener, and I fell in love. And 
I remember a little kid before that, I put a toilet chair on my head, and I pretended it was a batting helmet. This was before I really got into it, but I still like playing in the backyard. And, man, baseball's glorious if you're good. Baseball's glorious to follow if you've got a team worth following because it makes a summer fun. Every night there's a ball game, and if you're losing, it sucks because, my God, who wants to watch a team lose 160 times? If you're good, it makes every night appointment television. And I thought in that moment, in my car, listening to that sports update, that I was going to be somebody who watched good baseball for a long while. And we got a couple of years out of it. And McCutcheon was largely responsible for that because he was transcendent. And McCutcheon is one of the best players in Pirates history. McCutcheon ushered in a new era for the Pittsburgh Pirates. McCutcheon was the best player on a team that made baseball fun again. Andrew McCutcheon's number should be retired. Andrew McCutcheon deserves to be praised for what he did. And just like he ushered in a whole new generation of Pirates fans, now with his imminent move to San Francisco, I feel like the Pirates fan base was cut in half today at least for a little while. I believe wherever you go, wherever you are, in any sport, in any market, if you win, people will show up. But when's the next time the Pirates are going to win? And at that point, do you believe in them? Do you believe in ownership that they're going to get it done? I don't, and that's what's so disheartening about this whole thing. McCutcheon ushered in hope, and with that hope, you thought maybe they had a chance. And then they did. They won 98 games. They went to the divisional round of the playoffs. They went to a game five against their nemesis, the Cardinals. You really believed at that point that they had a chance. And you believed the next couple of years that they had a chance. You just get past one game. They didn't. But you believed and you thought, my God, we might see something spectacular happen here in baseball. And it connected the young and the old. My grandfather, people who had seen the Pirates be successful in the 70s, in 71 and 79, and it connected them with people who had never seen the Pirates be successful. A young generation who had never seen them do anything remotely close to win. And that was special. And he ushered that all in, and now he's gone. And with him, the old generation's got to hate it. And the young generation's got to say, here we go again. And I'm sad. I want to be angry, and I've been angry for a long time. You had to see it coming. But that doesn't mean that today isn't sad. It doesn't mean when Garrett Cole got traded, it wasn't sad either. Because Cole was the same thing from a pitcher standpoint. We had Josh Fogg and Jimmy Anderson and Kip Wells and Chris Benson. Those were the number one starters. Zach Duke, Paul Mahalm, that I grew up with. And Garrett Cole comes in throwing 98, throwing cheese. And you thought, maybe this is real. He's gone. It was real. But it was fleeting. And now what's it going to be? 20 years till they're good again? 412-922-2874. And on top of that, the Steelers lost. Sal, hello. Adam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. What's up? Listen, man, I am just so, I'm so damn disgusted uh, with Mike Tomlin. Um, you know, listening to his post-game news conference yesterday, Adam, I mean, when is this, when is this man who's supposedly a leader going to accept some ownership and stop pointing fingers everywhere else. 
I mean, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, it just it seems like it's everybody else's fault, and it's not Mike Tomlin. I mean, this man's the head coach. You know, I, I'm tired of every year hearing, well, we need this piece and we need that piece. This team is good enough right now to win a championship. They are, and that's why it's so awful that they lost yesterday. I thought they had a good chance to beat New England. I thought they were going to beat Jacksonville. They've got the talent to beat both. They might be the most talented team in the National Football League. That's why this loss is so much worse than that Tebow loss, because that team didn't have a prayer. This team does, or did. Now they're buried. Up next, Matt Williamson will discuss. We'll wrap up the show with my hottest take of the day, which probably has something to do with the Pirates. It's the Crowley Show. Here. It's either the coach's fault or it's the player's fault. For me, burn them all! Joining me now to discuss my man, Matt Williamson from the Steelers Radio Network, Steelers Nation Radio Locked On NFL Podcast. Matt, what the hell happened yesterday? It's flabbergasting. I mean, it's embarrassing, it's disturbing. Um,. There's a handful of things you can look at and just shake your head and made no sense to me at all as they were happening. And I questioned them the second they happened and, and it went the way that I thought that, you know, that when you question say, why would you do that? And it didn't work. And there was some brilliance thrown in there too. I mean, <laughs> the passing game and some things on offense were brilliant. I mean, against a phenomenal defense and you put 42 up against the Jags. That can't be overlooked. You have to win if you put up 42 against the Jags. Holy cow, yeah. (laughs) you got to win by 20. It shouldn't have even been a game, right. And there's a lot of things to nitpick about the offense, too. Oh, and let's start there, please. Okay, yeah. Right off the bat. First series. This game plan to me is awful. Uh, You come out, it's a three and out in the first series. Everyone's freaking out about not giving the ball to Bell. I I don't care so much they didn't give him the ball. Make him an option. Have him in the backfield. All the empty sets made me insane. What the hell's that about? Especially to start the game, but even all the way through. I mean, to not have Bell lined up in the backfield, and to me it's pure hubris. You know, that we know we couldn't throw in you guys last time, but we're the Steelers and we're more talented and we're at home and we're going to come out and empty and we're not even going to have the threat of the best running back in the league to hand the ball off to. We're still going to throw in you guys and we're going to put up on the scoreboard that we're going to do it. Stupid. <laughs> like that makes no sense at all. It, it really You're there. Go empty. Great. Get Bell detached. But come on. That's I mean, two middle fingers. Right. To Jacksonville. Right. And it didn't work. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't throw, and Ben was phenomenal and most of the time. But to not even have the threat of handing the ball to Bell on a high percentage of plays, especially the first series, and you see things like Hubbard detached. Like that was the second play of the game, I think. Like, what was that? What do you? What are, are they you trying, trying to set here? something up for later? Because because you're down twenty one nothing, then you can't. <laughs> <laughs> right, and no one expected the things to go that way right off the bat, of course. But that's not excusable. I mean, to me, the empty sets were insane on offense, and I think Haley's a really good coordinator. I thought he has done had some phenomenal game plans this year, and has more or less has maximized that talent, which is extreme, and but. The third and fourth and short situation all year is troublesome, to say the least. I mean, can't you just 
How about a quarterback sneak or bring Nick's and Hubbard in the game and just get a yard? I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care if Ben says I don't like quarterback sneaks. I don't care if the Steelers coaching staff says we don't love quarterback sneaks because we want to keep Ben healthy. I don't care whose fault it is. It's not a high-risk play. It's not a high-risk play. (laughs) You fall down, guys fall on you. They're not going to fall on your knees. No, you're going to dive forward with your head. I mean, Brady does it to a masterful level. He comes along scrimmage quickly. Sees a gap in the defense and falls that direction. Maybe and he's you six five two forty. Right. Maybe you have a guy fall on your head, but okay. When you're wearing a helmet and a guy falls on your head, it's not going to hurt your head. If you if you pound into a guy going hundred miles an hour, that's when your head gets hurt. There's no risk there. You have to do it. The Patriots get a lot of credit for things. Sometimes in my mind, overblown credit for some of the things sure. they do. This is one of those situations where they're efficient. They need a half a yard. They're going to get a half a yard, and then their drive's going to continue. The other thing I didn't like about the game plan, Matt, was I'm not anti-bubble screen. I think sometimes you need that, especially when you've got playmakers. Starting to pay off. I was critical early. See, I just don't like sideways against these guys. I don't like right. tosses. I don't like the I don't like bubble screens. What are you doing? Dreadful. I mean, dreadful. I mean. Again, it's just hubris that we're we're so good. We don't care that you're the fastest defense in the league. We're still going to challenge you that way. Well, don't play to their strengths. It's two, it's two games in a row against these guys that you you did what you they wanted you to do. I mean, that's a huge mistake to me. Um, as for the third and fourth and a yard or a foot or whatever, I understand Ben coming to the line of scrimmage, looks to his left and sees AB one-on-one on a guy and saying, I have to do this. This is just too exciting. That's fine. Do it once in a while, but ninety percent of the time, just do the easy thing. You know, near the goal line in particular. That's my number one cons- you know, complaint with Haley over the last couple years. Is in those third and fourth and shorts. Just take the, just get the chains. You know, move the chains. And like you said, the Patriots are phenomenal. At it. They are. While we're on the subject of Haley, Matt Williamson joined me here on the Crowley Show. His contract's up. I've been a huge Haley defender. Yes, me too. I say goodbye. See, I, I, I bring Randy back in, Randy Feekner. I make him the offensive coordinator. He's got a good relationship with Ben. You have to figure they keep everything the same, except the relationship between the quarterback and the coordinator would, you would think, be better. And I don't know how much that affects things anyhow, but they need to change blood somewhere. That's where I'd probably do it because you don't have to fire anyone. You can just say, we didn't bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a point to be made there. But I think he's an upper-tier offensive coordinator and game planner and, you know, throws a lot at the opponent. And I think he's, for the most part, very good at his job, to be quite honest. So you're saying bring him back? Unless there's a rift there that or a communication problem that exists that we don't know about. or And if him and Ben don't get along, I don't even care about that. But if they don't communicate and help each other, well, then we got a problem. And maybe Fickner would be the guy. or You know, that's behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know. But I think, in a nutshell, and not knowing all those things, I think you bring him back, but Tomlin has to sit down with him and Ben and say, like I said, that these third and fourth situations, Tomlin has to either take him over or say, you're not audible out of these, or, you know, that needs fixed. Because that's been going on a long time. Yeah. You know, that, that can't happen. Can't happen. It, right. it absolutely can't happen. And you're killing drives and leaving points on the field. And, you know. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that kind of of situation clock management Tomlin's always been bad at that and it's never going to change sorry folks it's not but it's bad it's really bad it is and Matt the Steelers should never have 
kicked the onside kick. I went crazy. Saying so that. did I. Uh, I sent a tweet before. Obviously, you kick away here. Yes. Was I think the tweet error. Yes. Obviously. I was willing. I was about. I was here in the studio. I was going to throw Joe out the window. I was so mad. Right. I, it was just so frustrating. And oh, by the way, every time I watch Boswell kick an onside kick, he's a great kicker, but he stinks at them. Right. My, Mike Tomlin <laughs> said he didn't want his defense to have to stop him there because he didn't have any faith in him. But you can't have it's, faith in your kicker because the kicker sucks at what you're asking the kicker to do. If he's the best onside kicker in the whole world, that is still a very, very, very low percentage. Yeah. What? Play. What? Ten percent? Maybe. 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 And stopping a bad offense, even with a bad defense, is a much higher percentage of the play. And it's 30 yards different downfield or whatever. Get- and then the Steelers would have had the ball in position to win the game. Yes. Let's say Jacksonville has the ball at their 25. Let's say the Steelers boot it through the end right, zone. Right. Fine. Do it. 25-yard line. I would bet my house they don't throw the football once. They right. didn't down there. They didn't when they were on the Steelers' side. Right. They absolutely would have been risk-averse whenever they were in the shadow of, of the, the goal line there. So they were going to run the ball run, three run, times. Run, punt. Right. And, Unless they got first. And I don't think they would have because I think they the Steelers... in the same situation. Right. So, let's just, uh, so that, that's that, hindsight, but... It is. You would have had the ball at the 40 or something right. with timeouts and not needing much to win. That kills me. What also annoys me, it didn't affect the game, I suppose, is, yo, Tomlin, call the timeouts before the two-minute warning. Make, makes me crazy. Uh, I mean, it makes what, me 12 crazy. seconds that they lost there. Yes. Uh, your successor, David Todd, and I used to have this conversation a lot. You know, he's a clock management lunatic. And I'm a big, big believer, and he did a lot more research on it than I did, that you take the one before the two-minute. Instead of just watching 18 seconds go tick-tock, tick-tock, you know, just... We'll just give them those. You let it run down, and then it's after the two-minute warning that both timeouts get called, so you're going to have less than two minutes. If you call them both before the two-minute warning, then you're going to have two minutes. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Even I can understand that one, and I went to West Virginia. So that bothered me. What also bothered me is... But these have been going on since he's been the head coach. I know, but now... It's not okay. It just cost him a playoff game. Yes. Uh, You then fast-forward to the very end of the game. Oh, my God. You've got 50 seconds left, and you're within a position to score. Ben right. gets sacked. They take everything from him. I mean, it's basically like a divorce. It's a 10-second <laughs> runoff. It's a loss of down. It's take a, your dog, your car. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. The referees are like, everything you like, we are now taking. At that point, I'd probably right. kick a field goal. And then you try the, the onside kick. Or you take a shot at the end zone. If you don't get into the end zone, then you kick the field goal. They didn't give themselves a chance. Scoring with one second left doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Right. That's exact. I always look at time management this way. And my buddy AJ is a Lebo dude. He's a doctor. He's super smart. And he always says, this is the way everyone should look at clock management. Pretend like you're the opponent. What do you want them to do? You know, like, if you're the Jags, what do you want the Steelers to do there? Exactly what they did, <laughs> you know, as well as right, kick, you know, as, as well as not kicking deep. That's the best way to view things. Not like if you're the head coach of the Steelers and I got to do this and I got to do that. It's real simple. Just think about it like you're in your living room and like, boy, I hope they don't go for it here. <laughs> oh, they went for it, damn. Or oh, they kicked it great. You know, it's really that easy to think about it. And if you're the Jags, the Steelers did everything at the end of the game you wanted them to do. When it comes to the player side of things, because they had their failures as well. Yes. The one that hurts me the most, well, I'll, I'll lead with this one, and then we'll see where you we want to go. We didn't talk about the defense, which no. everything's negative. Well, about. this is exactly where I'm going. The Steelers had an opportunity. After Antonio Brown's fourth down touchdown, okay. 
the sweet catch where I mean it was right. Oh, it was and he was spinning around his knees. Yeah, I mean, right, that guy's right. insane. Jacksonville was facing a third and five from their thirty, with seven forty-seven to go, and T.J. Eldon catches a swing pass and goes forty yards. That was a heartbreaker. What the hell? I mean, that's bad football. I mean, the list of bad football when Jacksonville had the ball, we could fill this entire hour with, and and it's unexcusable. And the thing we. I know you didn't go this direction, but I just want to make sure it's said on the air because I know on Friday I told you that the thing that I was most confident about the Steelers was their defensive line has a huge advantage against this Jacksonville offensive line. And some of that was just execution. You know, that they lost that battle badly. How can that happen? I I mean, they got better players. The Steelers are better players, and it wasn't a scheme thing. You can't blame Butler on that one. That was the one case. Actually, there's two of them. One of them went in Steelers' way and one of them didn't. Where better play, you know, like on offense, they didn't out-scheme Ramsey and Bouye. Like, Ramsey and Bouye played really well. And they just made phenomenal football plays. You know, Ben put it right in this little tiny mm-hmm. spot and Brown made a catch or McDonald or whomever. They, they were just a little bit better on individual plays. It wasn't like, wow, they out-schemed the heck out of Jacksonville. To me, the same was true on the off, on the other side, where I thought the Steelers would just have a massive advantage, stopping the run with Hayward and you know their three hundred pounders, as well as pressuring Bortles, even with three, no pressure at all. This offensive line won the day, and to me, that was just I don't know if it's fluky or what, but it was they were better on this particular day, and I didn't see that coming at all. Where the hell was Cam Hayward? He didn't register a statistic. Right. He right. didn't have a sack. He didn't have a pass. He didn't uh, you know, deflect the pass. He didn't have a tackle or a pressure or anything. The pass rush was one of the most disturbing things of the whole day. I mean, Bortles didn't get hit at all. And there's people out there saying, wow, Bortles played well. No, he didn't. I mean, to play action. He completed three. Here's a stat. He completed three passes where his receiver was 10 yards or further down the field. And I don't remember. I think one throw I said, wow, nice throw. Everyone else, every NFL quarterback is going to make play action, dump it to some big goofy tight end or, you know, like that's all they do. I mean, to me, when you go back to coaching to be overwhelmed, especially early in the game that they're going to come out and with heavy personnel and have double team blocks and run in the middle with very base run plays and then short play action after that. That's all they do. (laughs) This team is the easiest team in the league to game plan for. And I would execute them on one side of the ball is very difficult. And Fournette was great. But to come out and be like, wow, I didn't think they were going to do that. What do you think? That's all they do. So is Keith Butler, in your opinion, should he be in the hot seat? Because whether he is or not, it's probably a different conversation. Right. And yes, I think he should be. And because it's more than just that game. I mean, my hunch is if you added them all up, the Steelers blew more deep coverages than any team in the league. There's been a lot of rumblings about communication. And I don't, I just can't, I don't, I can't fathom that. I just can't fathom it. Right, right. I mean. I'm seething right now, Matt, if it's not Me too. I've been, apparent. I've been boiling more today than even yesterday. Yeah. And now I'm getting the chance to vent with a couple of outlets here in a row. And it's funny because like when I was a kid and the Steelers were losing playoffs, I'd, I'd be like, oh, I'll cry, you know, and, and then much of my life was like, eh, I'm a businessman, I don't care. And this year I was close to the team and this one almost hurts more because you should win that game every time. Like they beat themselves. They that really did. Me to no end. It does, and I, I'm going to have this We're, conversation. In so many different facets. Not like boy, Ben threw a terrible pick at the end of the game, dude. They or that crazy Saints loss. Like they, okay, you lost one right. play that was crazy. 
you gave them this game. They blocked a punt and then didn't do anything with it. They, they cut it to a score. They block a punt. They don't do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, Roethlisberger fumbles. They return it for a touchdown. Ben's interception is never open. No, right, point. right, right. Uh, it just, ben made two horrible plays. Yes. But he was awesome in much of this game. But those two horrible plays, if he doesn't make one of them, they win. You know, like, they did so many things wrong, and we've touched on 30% of them. But, <laughs> is that all? Is that all <laughs> I mean, we touched on? I feel like... for a while. I don't know. But some of them were overriding things. I mean, everything that happened on defense was horrible. You let 45 points up to a bad offense Yikes. a bad quarterback. And Fournette was great. And their offensive line deserved credit. They won the matchups. But you knew what they were going to do. Matt Williamson, thank you. Yeah, I'm fired up. Dear God. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you this because I'm going to bring this up in a moment. I'm just get your thoughts on it real quick. The Tebow loss was to a much worse team, but this one's a much worse loss to me. I mean, they, yes. this is a Super Bowl roster. That team was going nowhere. See, like the Tebow thing to me was we game planned properly that we think that this guy can't complete passes, so we're going to play a lot of man coverage. We're going to take away the run, and we rolled the dice, and he happened to complete some passes, which he never does. I think he only completed like <laughs> 11 in that game, but they were the right ones. Okay, you know, to me, you prepared properly for that game. The other guy on the other sidelines happened to make some plays, which happens in this game all the time. Where this one, you knew what they were going to do on both sides of the ball, and on one side you did great, and the other side you were totally overwhelmed. And uh, I, I don't understand that. I mean, even little things, like at the end of the game, when their last drive, Jacksonville's last drive, we knew they were going to run the ball, and on third down there wasn't an extra safety in the box. <laughs> like alignment issues all year and communication issues all year and uh, a lot of defensive things. I think the average Steeler fan out there is like, boy, this is the best offensive personnel you could ever ask for. And they're right. And the defense is, you know, band-aided together. No, it's not. I mean, even without Shazier, there's a lot of good football players on that defense and a lot of early picks and a couple of them, guys like Burns and Dupree, aren't getting better. I thought Burns was okay in this game. Yeah, but they picked on him. I thought Dupree was a disaster. I think he's been a disaster for a long time. You know, and even like T.J. Watt, they drop in coverage all the time. Like, I know he's good at it, but that's not what we want from that position. I don't know. I mean, and Shazier's loss is huge. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like Bortles was Brady with Amendola picking on Spence and Vince Williams all day. We'll save some of this for Friday, and then I'm not going to bother you again for the rest of the offseason. How's that sound? Doubt it. It's also a lie. Yes. Uh, Matt Williamson, thanks very much, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm left here thinking about the Pittsburgh Pirates and how they just paid a reliever when they didn't have to pay him. He was going to be a pirate for the next four years anyhow. All that is is PR. All that is is, look, we'll pay somebody. As Joe just said during the break to me, he said, oh, Rivero, why don't you get yourself up in the bullpen? We're down four. Better keep it that way. More on that next and my hottest take of the day. As it relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're listening to the Crowley Show.
It's going to be really hard. Well, let me rephrase that. It would be really hard to do a show without paying attention to the Pirates for an entire summer if I weren't me. This will free my summer up because I'm not talking about these guys. I'm not going to analyze every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series whenever the front office doesn't care about winning. Why should I care about whether they win or not on a given Tuesday in the middle of April? I'm not going to analyze their games the way that they deserve to be analyzed through the scope of every other media person in Pittsburgh. I will analyze them through my own eyes, and I'll tell you exactly what I see, but I'm not going to spend hours upon hours this pirate season analyzing. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about the trade deadline and whether or not they should go out and get so-and-so or sell this guy or that guy. When the Pirates put a product on the field worthy of discussion, I will discuss them. They were in it for a little while last year, and we only discussed them whenever they were worth discussing. They're not worth discussing at all when the first pitch is thrown this year. I just tweeted this out because Ben Stonium put up the video of when Andrew McCutcheon hit the 14th inning walk-off against the St. Louis Cardinals. And I remember exactly where I was when that happened. And I couldn't fall asleep that night. They were in the throngs of a pennant chase with that team, with the team that's won more championships than any other in the National League. And I was thinking to myself, all right, they're right there with them. They can play with these guys. And it was going right into the All-Star break, if I remember correctly. And when McCutcheon was signed, I knew that those moments would be possible. And now that he's gone, now that he's been traded, I do sincerely wonder the next time that they're going to be good. My wife and I aren't trying to have kids right now, but in the next couple of years, we will be trying to have kids. Am I going to have children the next time the Pirates are good? Like, how different is my life going to be the next time they're good? Imagine being a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan. Imagine being a fan of any other team in baseball that you know actually cares about the product on the field. And what you're thinking about is, hey, do they have a shot this year? Do they have a shot next year? And these Pirates forget about the next couple of years. And I don't need to hear from Pirates fans, and I am on Twitter, saying, you're not a real fan. Actually, I was around throughout the entirety of the losing streak, and I still put my faith into the ball club. Then they got good, and they didn't do enough then to push them over the top, and now they've sold that team. The only way to make a difference in this front office, the only way to make them sweat is to not go to PNC Park. To make sure that the next time they try to sign a TV deal, they don't get what they want because nobody's watching. Pittsburgh fans can be loyal to their detriment. And if you go to PNC Park this year, if you pay money to that man, Bob Nutting, then you're loyal to a detriment. You do not deserve to be patted on the back. You do not deserve to be crowned a fan who stuck with this team through thick and thin. You're doing so only through blind loyalty, loyalty that this man, Bob Nutting, does not deserve. Man, I did not think that something was going to bum me out more today than that Steelers lost yesterday, but hey, we found it. Baseball in the summer is so much fun when your team's good. 
And when they suck, I mean, I'm not going to waste a summer night from 7 o'clock until, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night watching a, a team that's bad at baseball. F that. F them. F nothing. Back to football for my hottest take of the day. Ready, Joe? It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. I was listening to my man Mark Madden driving in today. And Mark said, You're not going to win with these loud mouths. You're not going to win with AB. He talks too much. You all remember, right? The karma. That's karma. Karma! You're not going to win with the Martavis Bryants. You're not going to win with the Le'Veon Bells. All they care about is themselves. Boy, ain't that low-hanging fruit. It's also totally ignoring what went down yesterday. Those loud mouths, those guys who are selfish, those guys who you think you can't win with, were the only reason that the Steelers were in the game. Le'Veon Bell was great. Scored a touchdown. Martavis Bryant, that loudmouth, that selfish dude, caught a touchdown that brought the Steelers back into the football game. And Antonio Brown, that loudmouth, that guy, is, in my opinion, the best player in football. The best. A.J. Bowie, pretty damn good. Making plays over him all day. Jalen Ramsey, pretty damn good. And Antonio Brown still had a couple of touchdowns. And A.B.'s not 100%. You win championships with guys like Antonio Brown. You win championships with guys like Le'Veon Bell. You can win a championship with Martavis Bryant because when he's making plays, he's going to shut up. And as the season wore on, he made plays, so he shut up. The Steelers didn't lose because of those three guys, the three quote-unquote loudmouths. The Steelers lost yesterday despite putting up 42 points. The defense let him down. Now, Mike Mitchell's one of those loudmouths. You could do without him. I didn't mind what he said coming into the game. I thought that it projected confidence. I don't mind when players have confidence. If you lose, though, it's a bad look. And if you lose and you suck, it's a really bad look. Mike Mitchell sucked all season long. You can get rid of him. But I'm slapping the tag on Lev. AB's going to be around, and I'm trying to coax Martavis Bryant back for one more run. That's right. They're not the guys that let you down. That was the hottest take of the day. I got it. That was the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. Tomorrow from 4 o'clock until 7. We go in halvesies. Fitty, fitty. Pirates, Stillers. I'm wondering what this next pirate generation is going to look like. Just shut up.